Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and I am so, so thrilled to have with me Jerome Braggs. He is visiting us again. He's been on the show before. If you have not heard the episode with him that I did before called How to Love Yourself Holy, please go check it out. I'm not going to do a repeat of his bio and everything because all of that fabulous information is there, but he has he's just an amazing person, has an incredible story that will just blow you away. So if you have not listened to that one yet, please do so. Today, he and I are going to be discussing sexual healing as spiritual growth, and I am just so thrilled to have you back on the show, Jerome. Thank you so much, Satyana. I am just beyond honored and blessed and grateful to be here and excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. I like I was telling you before we got on recording, that was one of my favorite interviews. And I'm, mm. I just appreciate your presence and, and everything that you're bringing to this planet so much. So mm. thank you for saying yes again to coming to join us and, and bless our listeners with your wisdom. Mm. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So we've got a big topic here today, sexual <laughs> healing and spiritual growth. And I thought that maybe you would want to start out with your own, a little bit, sharing with our listeners a little bit of your own journey of sexual healing and what that has been like for you. Because, you know, we all have um, a wide variety of ways that we come to this path. And yet I feel like there's so much healing in just sharing our stories. Mm. I'd love to hear yours. Yeah. So uh, my journey with... (laughs) sexual healing it's pretty vast because um my my trauma around sex and sexuality started very early um i was taught at a very early age that my being as it relates to my sexuality was wrong and so um you know i i realized that i was attracted to the same gender when i was 5 years old and at the same time that i realized that Um, I also felt being an intuitive empath, um, I feel energy and Mm -hmm. I can sense it and I can get information from it. Um, and so I didn't know that (laughs) necessarily when I was five, but I, but nevertheless, this is what was happening. But at the same time, I had the realization that I was attracted to the same gender at five years old. I also sensed in the energy in the environment that I was in, that that was not okay. Um, Mm. Even though somebody had never said that to me, um, even though those words were never spoken, it was just in the energy field. It was in the vibration of the environment that this was not okay and that this was something I was going to have to hide. And so that started for me um, what I call uh, soul disconnection. Mm. I disconnected a piece of my soul from myself from my body, because um, anytime we think something is wrong with us, whether there's a, uh, whether that be your sexuality, a piece of your personality, whether that be how you look, anytime you begin to embody a belief that there's something wrong with me, the same place you hold that belief, right, wherever that belief is, is the same place you begin to disconnect the Mm -hmm. soul from you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that being is because the soul is love. And so fear and love can't occupy the same space at the same time. That's right. So when you have a fear, which is there's something wrong with me, you disconnect that part of your being from your soul. And so I had grown up being disconnected, um, my sexuality being very disconnected from my being. So I want to, I want to pause you for a second because I have a curiosity around this. This is a, um, how we talk to children or don't talk to children about sex has been like a really big um, topic that's been really up for me lately. And I'm, I'm doing some work around it, creating some course material around it. But, you know, you, you mentioned that nothing was ever said, um, but it was just an energy that you picked up in the space. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and part of my curiosity is, do you think that that could possibly be because it was never talked about? Yeah, well, oh, 
I love that you brought this up because there's a lot around this. Mm-hmm. So, you say it first like this more than anything that's ever said, what is picked up and what is taught and what is learned by us when we are children, more than anything that's ever said is, is what is felt. Right. And so that is what's taught more than anything. And as kids, um, our families, really our families are the first classrooms we attend. And they are what we learn in those classrooms is the, the biggest lesson we learn in those classrooms is how to either embrace and accept and affirm our wholeness or reject and deny it. And that's the biggest lesson we're learning. And that is not more than, you know, our caregivers, whether that's parents or grandparents, whether that's authority figures, whether that's teachers, whoever is the authority, you know, the caregivers in the space, whether they actually say out of their mouths that you're enough or this expression of yourself, whatever that authentic expression is. Again, whether it's some quirkiness in your personality, whether it's some aspect of who you're attracted to or how you're attracted to people and your sexuality, um, whatever that is, right? If Whether they say whatever this expression is, it's, it's enough, it's welcomed, it's accepted, and it belongs, or um, it doesn't, and this is not okay. And again, it's not the words so much that are being said, it's the energy. And mm-hmm. so when we, when we understand that we are um, that we have two aspects to our being. We're biological beings, which is the flesh and bone part of us that we can see, the body part of us that we can see. And we're also energetic beings, or what some people will call spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And that's the part you can't see, but that's actually the biggest part of you. And that's actually the biggest way you communicate. Well, and some so, people say that's what actually builds the physical body, too. It's, it's literally what builds the physical body. It's literally what builds the physical dimension mm-hmm. as a whole. So it's kind of like, I like to describe it as an iceberg. So the body is kind of the, the part of the iceberg that you see above the water. And then the energy is the part that you see below the water that's really holding everything together. And it's the most massive part. And so <clears throat> that's the part, though, that we're not really taught and educated about, but that's the part that children, especially because they're the most sensitive to it, they haven't been desensitized out of this part of their senses yet. So the earlier they are in their childhood, the more um, susceptible they are to it. So what they're picking up on more and what we learn from more is, is the energy and pretty much how people feel about things, what people feel about a certain situation, um, what their emotions are around something. And so that was what I felt was, although nobody had said in the words that, you know, being attracted to the same gender was not okay, it was a feeling in the air. Yeah, I'm almost hearing the, like, one of these things is not like the other song, you know? <laughs> it's like, <Right. laughs> oh, like, this is not, this is not what everyone around me is doing. Like, there's something wrong. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, a, and again, also because one of the biggest needs we have, uh, human need we have uh, when we come in as kids, is to belong. Mm-hmm. And so, what you want more than anything, and what I wanted more than anything at that time, was to belong. And this thing, again, you just so perfectly illustrated it right there with that song, was the message that was in the energy was this thing is not like the other things. Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to belong. So I have to get rid of that part of me. So I have to hide it. Yeah. Right. So I have to, because the thing that is the most sacred to me is to belong. And so if this is going to make me not belong, then I need to hide it. (laughs) And so that began, um, that began suppression and repression my sexuality which um, which we're going to talk a lot about we have to go to a quick break right now so i want to i want to pause you because there's so much around that topic of suppression and repression um and we're going to dive deep into that when we get back before we go to the break will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work yes i'm all over the internet <laughs> my website is www.jeromebrags.com and you can find me on facebook at coach jerome uh, facebook.com slash coach jerome Braggs, and instagram at jerome underscore Braggs. 
And do check him out. I was telling him also he's been cracking me up on Facebook lately. So he's just a joy to follow um, and a wonderful human being. So please go check him out. We have been talking with Jerome Braggs about Mm. sexual healing as spiritual growth. More when we get back. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this one. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, we're back. So right before the break, you were starting to talk about, you know, this part of yourself that is like, okay, I have to suppress and, and repress this aspect of me. Um, And I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening to this right now who can relate to that, whether it's your sexual identity or some other aspect of your being that you along the journey had to shut down and say like, no, this is weird. This is different. This is not okay. I'm not going to belong. If I express this part of me, I'm going to shut it down. What was your experience of that suppression and how did that sort of show up for you and how'd you go through healing it? Yeah, so um, the thing that is at the core of suppression uh, and was the core of my suppression is the message that's core of my suppression is um, this part of me makes me the weird thing and the weird thing is the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wrong thing doesn't belong and won't be loved. You know, it, And that's really the message that I can't live this part of my truth and be loved at the same time. Mm. And so to be loved, I will not live this part of my truth. And so um, that began, and I don't, and so we're talking about sexual healing. And so this began a part of it because it really bled more over into sex. So more than just sexuality, meaning who I was attracted to. So there was a suppression of my sexuality, but there was also um, some toxicity and suppression in my in my sexuality, meaning how I expressed sex and how I engaged with it. And so what it began to do once, so the, so the bifurcation of myself, meaning that I began to be disconnected from myself. There was a part of my being that, you know, I began to shun away from or reject because I was saying it was wrong, but at the same time, it was a part of me. So it was calling to be met. It was calling to be nourished. It was calling to be, to be, um, embraced and when we suppress something the way that comes out is in toxic ways Mm -hmm. so because i didn't feel enough right so because i felt wrong and there was another part of me that came as well so that was one aspect of the wrongness the other aspect was as a kid i was also teased because i was bigger than other kids so i was called chubby i was called fat and i was never made to never made to feel growing up that my body was acceptable that my body was desirable that it was the thing that was wanted and that it belonged, that it wasn't less than. And so I grew up believing my body was less than and it was wrong and it wasn't enough, as well as my sexuality, you know, who I was attracted to. So here are these two things that, again, I began to try and suppress. I began to hide aspects of my body um, like I never wore shorts until I was Oh my God, I might have been in my 30s um, because I didn't want people to see my legs for fear of them. Even no matter how muscular or lean I was, I was getting, right? There's the message was my body still wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. But the message, what that makes you do when you begin to have this message of there's something wrong with me, there's something that's not enough with me, is that you begin to seek approval and you begin to seek belonging and approval uh, in toxic ways because you don't have it, you're, you're not in your wholeness. Your wholeness will make you seek belonging um, in healthy ways. But when you're not in your wholeness, what happens is you seek it in toxic ways. And so the way that I saw it in toxic ways was sex. Now, sex is not toxic on its own. So I don't want to get that message out there. It's the relationship we have with it. Right. And so I was showing up to sex 
um, trying to be trying sex for me was a way that if I have sex with someone, then that meant in that moment that my body was okay. I'm like totally, I went through like the same experience. I mean, I was obviously I had my own version of it, but absolutely for me, I used sex as validation. Yeah, that's exact. It was validation and approval. Yeah. And so, but the problem was, you know, for the partner, it was sex. <laughs> so right. they had their pleasure, they had their enjoyment, and then they were moving on. And then I was, the void was still there for me because sex was not the healing. That was not the healing aspect for me. Um, it was how, it was the soothing. And there's a difference between a healing and a soothing. A healing pulls up the root cause and it transmutes it. It returns it to love. That's really what healing is really about, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's a reconnecting of ourselves back to the love that we are. I love that. Yeah. And um, but soothing is a is a soothing of the pain for a minute. And if that thing that we're using to soothe the pain goes away, then the pain is still there. That's what addiction is. Okay. So I had a, I began to have a sex addiction, right? So I needed sex, and I needed a lot of it because of this trauma, this wound that I was having that I wasn't enough. And I was using sex to soothe it. And so what I had, and it took a near-death experience, which I think we talked about in the other interviews, so I don't mm-hmm. want to go into that yeah. more uh, in detail. But I had a near-death experience where um, I had a conversation with Source, and I was really on my deathbed and had manifested, you know, two incurable terminal diseases. And when I crossed over to the other side, uh, Source told me that in order to heal myself, I was going to have to love myself. I was going to have to really learn to do that. And what I didn't know at that time <laughs> during that experience was a big part of loving myself was in healing my issues around sex and sexuality yeah. and really transforming how I approached it, how I viewed it, um, and really healing the suppression and the repression that I had around it. And it took it took dying for me to wake up because I was so in the trauma of not being enough and so in the addiction and nobody was talking about, you know, sex addiction back at that time. And nobody was definitely not talking to same gender loving black men Mm -hmm. around sex addiction. And so I, my soul was the savior (laughs) that came in. It was like, okay, we got to stop this. We got to wake up. So what was that process like for you? I mean, what, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight, you know? Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) It it definitely didn't. So one thing I knew for me, um, which is kind of the process of healing all addictions, is that I knew that there was, again, sex was not the thing that was the, the toxin. It was how I was approaching it and the messages I was having around it mm-hmm. and why sex was, 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 you know, an addiction for me. Cause again, the addiction is not just something that brings you pleasure. It's something that has detrimental effects long-term. It brings you positive effects short-term, but detrimental effects long-term. And despite of those detrimental effects, we can't stop it. Mm-hmm. So I knew that sex was not something that I wanted to completely cut out of my life. I knew that sex was not the, the, the demon or the evil, but the, it was the wound. The wound was making me approach it. And why I had such a toxic relationship with it was, again, um, you know, I was pursuing sex at the detriment of going to class. I was in college at the time when it first started. I would, you know, pursue sex at, at the detriment of my own safety. I would, you know, be doing a lot of risky stuff. Um, if there was something that, you know, was going against my own intuition during, if I was getting ready to have a sexual experience with someone and they wanted to do something I didn't want to do, or they wanted to participate in something that wasn't safe, um, that I perceived as safe. Uh, let me speak it from that perspective that I perceived as safe at that moment. Um, and, you know, but the risk of them not, if I said no, the, the viewpoint of me, if I said no to what they were asking um, if they were going to withdraw their sex from me, you know, that was the big, that was the bigger fear. Right. And so, because again, that was the soothing and I needed to soothe the pain more than I needed to the safety of whatever this other thing was. And so I was, I would risk those things, you know, I would do a lot of risky behavior and put my you know, life at risk to have this sex. And that's why I knew, again, it was the sex, how I was having sex was a problem. And not just that, but also I was never showing up 
to sex with my whole self present. I was never showing up to sex being my authentic self. Again, I was presenting the, par the parts of me that I thought was going to be most acceptable and most, mm -hmm. most approved of um, and not really being my whole self and coming to sex with a lot of shame and coming to sex with a lot of fear instead of coming to sex with a lot of joy and a lot of trust and a lot of authentic expression, which is, which is wellness. I was coming to sex with illness. Mm -hmm. And so um, my healing uh, was, a, a large part of my healing was learning how to one, to heal the wound that was the cause of the addiction. Because the addiction is always caused by a wound. Yes. Always caused by a wound. And so the wound for me was the feeling of not feeling enough, not feeling attractive enough, um, and also not feeling, and not feeling enough, not feeling um, worthy uh, as in my sexuality, not just, with who I, not just with how I was having sex, but who I was attracted to as well. So apart from me, the first part of my healing journey, again, with a lot of addictions was abstinence for me to begin to, I needed a period of time to begin to um, work on the emotional wound and not have it be tied into the sexual act. I think that's so, so um, healthy and important. And I, and I just, I want to, I've had some clients where, um, you know, I've told them like, you know, there might be a period of time here where abstinence is appropriate. And usually they freak out when I say that. No one wants to hear like, don't have sex for a while. Um, but I think it's also important to note, like it's temporary, you know, it's, it's not like you're never going to have sex again. It's like just taking some time to get to know yourself and who you are outside of that uh, experience and and toxicity, right? Yeah, there's there's two things here. One, one thing I've learned from myself and one thing I teach my clients is that you can do anything for a little while if it means you'll be fully health, healed and yeah. you will live a more delicious life. Mm -hmm. Well, You said. can do anything for a little while if it means you're going to be fully healed and you're going to live a more delicious life. And then the second part I want to add that is, um, <laughs> you know, as you say that, it reminds me, you know, you're talking to your clients and how they freak out. So when I was 20 years old, um, I was, again, I was in college and I went to see a, um, there was this famous astrologer who had come in uh, to speak at this spiritual center uh, that I was visiting at the time where I was living, you know, at, in the college and all of that. And he spoke and I went to see him. He was doing private sessions and he had this big center. I think it's still there in Sedona. And he was probably like one of the premier astrologers in the world. And he was offering this special and to do, you know, to do someone's whole life chart and to do an intuitive session with them. And I had never had that done before, but I was so interested in that stuff at that time. And I was like, I just... I scrounged up my little pennies, <laughs> my little college pennies together <laughs> for this little session. And I went and it was the, he read my entire life so clearly. And I will never forget because this was, this was a pivotal moment for me. He said to me, um, you're going to have to be celibate. I, it's, it's in your chart here. You need, a, you need a period of like two years that you're going to be celibate because mm -hmm. you need to know some things around your sexuality. Mm -hmm. And this was, again, this is the first time I'd heard this. This is before my near-death experience. This was four years before my near-death experience and before, before all of this came to the forefront. But at that time, I freaked the fuck out. <laughs> because I'm 20 years old. I'm, right. a male, I'm a guy. I'm in college. What are you talking about, celibate? What are you talking about? In two years at that? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like death. Right? That's that's death. Like, sir, that's uh, and I was like, all of this other stuff is great, but this is bullshit. Like, <laughs> this is not the truth. And little did I know, four years later, that not only was that going to be true for me and a key to my healing, but not it was not just going to be two years. It was going to be six. Mm. Wow. Um, and it took me six years of really going within myself and um, really withholding from sex in the way that I had been before so that I could heal my wound of really 
learn understanding that all of me is enough. All of me is belongs. Most importantly, belongs to me and belongs to be expressed by me in the world. Uh, and when I began to feel enough and feel celebratory and appreciative and accepting of my body and celebratory and appreciative and accepting of my sexuality, that's when the addiction healed itself. And that's when I had an entirely different um, experience with sex. That's when sex really began to be healing for me. How did you know when the shift had, had taken place? So there are a few things that I know um, that I, I knew that when I was healed. One, um, I was at peace. I was at peace with my body. I didn't have an adversarial relationship with it anymore. I wasn't always picking at it or trying to change it or trying to fix it or trying to hide it. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing with my sexuality. I was at peace with it. I wasn't embarrassed of it. I wasn't ashamed of it. I appreciated it. I accepted it. I celebrated it. Um, and I didn't need another person's I didn't need external approval or validation of it. So I was, I still appreciated it, accepted it and celebrated it even when other people did not. Mm -hmm. And that's when I knew that that aspect of it was healed, that I knew that I was enough. Um, and this was enough for me because even when you didn't view it as enough, it didn't shake me. Mm -hmm. I still felt this way and I was at ease and at peace around it. Um, and then there wasn't a desire anymore. Like there wasn't a, there wasn't a, you know, I said it earlier on, I was using sex to soothe. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing anymore within me that felt like it needed to be soothed. Mm. So instead of sex needing, you know, instead of there being something that needed sex being this thing, this bomb um, that would cover this wound for a minute, it was this thing that I really wanted to do to experience a higher level of pleasure and connection. And that was very different. Instead of me needing validation and soothing and somebody to say, you're enough and you're beautiful, sex was something I wanted to experience with somebody to experience the pleasures of it and the sensations of it and the connection with another person. And that was the very different shift. And I didn't, again, if it didn't happen, I was okay. There wasn't a void anymore. So if I was, if I had a connection with somebody and um, sometimes I didn't feel like having sex and that was something that didn't happen before either. You know, if we were connected and we went on a date and we didn't have sex or you didn't try to have sex with me, I would feel like there was something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, if someone, I go on a date and somebody wants to have sex, there's some days I'm like, great, let's go. Cause I'm in that mood. And there's some days I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Like, can we get some ice cream and then just, <laughs> can I go to bed? <laughs> you know, there's, it's a different, there's a different, there's a different drive. Again, the, the difference really is, is the desire coming from a pain yeah. or is it coming from joy? Mm -hmm. and, and that's very different because healing, once you've healed, your desires come from joy. They don't, yeah. don't come from pain anymore. So what was that like for you? after going for six years without having sex and doing all this really deep healing work on yourself and having had this really super toxic relationship with your sexuality and then coming back into like a, your first encounter sexually again after that, what was that experience like for you? You know, I'm so glad you asked this because this was the most awakening aspect of my journey and the most shifting and also the most foundation breaking. <laughs> it almost, it kind of ripped the foundation up from under me because what I thought going into my healing and all through those years of my healing was when I healed, you know, I was going to be ready for my partner. Like I was going to be ready for my because I was so monogamy centered and so mm -hmm. monogamy focused. And I thought when I came to my healing that, you know, uh, as I was going through my healing with this, I was like, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to be very, um, I used to really think that also I was restraining myself and had this very pious view of it, that I was restraining myself to purify myself 
and to be able to be this pure vessel to offer myself to somebody else. And that would make me more attractive. And that also made me more spiritual and almost more sacred. Mm -hmm. And what I learned when I healed this desire that was coming through me was I wanted to have sex with more people. (laughs) Instead of it being this one kind of centered thing that I thought was when I got through with my healing that I was just going to be, I was only going to be this, you know, this purified sacred vessel for this one person, the desire, the natural desire that was coming forth from within me was to have sex with several people. And this created another conflict that I had to go through another healing with Mm -hmm. because my morals were saying this was wrong. Mm -hmm. This was not what a spiritual teacher does. This is not what a healed person does. And this is not sexually okay. You are supposed to be with one person. You are supposed to really not be what, you know, what some people would label as promiscuous. Um, You were to really just focus on one person. But my sole desire and what one thing that happened after my near-death experience that really became um, very clear for me was I became very clear on what a soul desire is and what a trauma desire is Mm. and and the different ways they feel in the body. And what I could not deny was this was a soul desire. This was not a trauma desire anymore. And what I couldn't, and so I had to, had to face, oh, these are cultural messages around this. This is not actually my soul's message around this. My, the, my cultural messages are, this is wrong and I shouldn't do this. But my soul is, this is actually what you need to do to heal. Mm-hmm. Because what was my soul was asking, and once I began to give myself permission to allow my desires to be met without shame and without fear, what I found was the reason why I was being called to engage with more people was I had not known sex without shame. Mm. And I had never known sex with my wholeness. Mm. And I had never experienced and had the adventure and the pleasure of experiencing different people with the fullness of myself showing up. And there being no vibrational shame in in the space. And I had never known sex as a healing entity before because when there's no shame and there's no fear in the connection, it becomes the union of love and it heals both parties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had never had that. And so my soul was like, you need to experience this and you need to experience a lot of it. And that, but my morals were saying, again, this is wrong. This is not what a spiritual person does. Mm-hmm. A spiritual person is very pious. They only do, you know, they only engage with one person. and They, they only wear white. They, they only wear white. <laughs> They're fully <laughs> vegan and they only eat raw. <laughs> it has to be raw alkaline. It has to be, <laughs> right? It's like, we have all of these things, again, that make you suppress your natural self. Yeah. And that's the healing, again, is to reconnect to who you really are and to let your true self be expressed. And another aspect of my healing around sexuality was, what is my natural desire right now? And can I let my true self be expressed in my sexuality as it is right now? And this is something I do a lot with my clients because what I found is so many of us have so many messages external messages, whether we get them from culture, whether we get them from religion, whether we get them from, you know, our families that make us disconnect from what our our intuitive soul expansion is asking for. So we close down and we never fully live these lives of liberation and wellness and joy because, um, by the way, you can't be well and you can't be truly happy when the aspect of you is suppressed. Mm-hmm. Suppression and wellness don't exist at the same time. This is also why this aspect of my being was the key to my healing my body from disease. Because when you suppress an aspect of yourself, 
if you also suppress your immune system. This is just, you know, the, in, the intuitive healer portion of me speaking. <laughs> but that's something that they're finding even in science now, that when we suppress aspects of our personality, it turns on the, as- the aspects of our, our body that suppress the immune system. Yeah, we breathe so, toxicity in the body. Right, it literally breeds toxicity in the body. Yeah. So um, expressing yourself. So one thing I learned um, in my near-death experience and in the healing journey following my near-death experience was, again, the, what healing really is, is really about being your full self, is reconnecting to who you really are, expressing who you really are in the world without any edits, without any suppression, without any shame. Um, and so a big part of me was, a big part of my healing journey was learning how to allow myself to uh, um, allow my sexual desires to exist without shame and to do them and to meet them um, and to meet them, that they are our need. Just like this is another piece, too, that I learned um, was that, and this is something that is kind of counter to a lot of the things we hear in our culture and our society. This is around the world. Um, but we've been so disconnected from what the truth is around our sexuality. It's very much like eating and mm-hmm. drinking. It is a need that we have for our bodies and our lives to function well. Yes. And it's funny. It's almost like, so, you know, um, one thing I got from Source, that uh, was a download I got from Source one day, because it was, it, it, Source likened it to almost as if, um, we hear so many people say, you know, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to abstain from sex, but I have these sexual desires and I'm really trying to get myself together and I'm trying to be more holy. I'm trying to be more spiritual. And source said to me one day, it said, you know, it's very much like if you came to us and said, you know, I'm trying not to be so thirsty and not drink any water. <laughs> and I'm really trying really, really hard. And I know drinking water is bad. It said the thing that's di- the only thing that's different is that we've been getting these messages for years that sex is the thing that we need to suppress and sex is, and we have these moral uh, identities around sex. But we've, uh, and we're getting there really. We are starting to get there around food, but we don't have as much of it yet. Mm-hmm. But we would think that that if somebody said that, like if somebody came to you and said, you know, I'm really just trying not to drink water like that, we would think it's it's ridiculous. Right. But because we've had all this stuff, you know, around sex, we don't think the same, but it's the same thing. And it's what I said about food. We have the same thing now where you get like, oh, you're not eating fully organic or oh you're not God. a vegan or I, yeah. alkaline. It's the same type of and it's it's crazy, right? It's I remember I went to Colombia a couple of years ago, and it's like this. It's an almost it's not quite a third world country, but it's not one of the developed nations, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you just eat what's there because mm-hmm. it's what's there. And I and I came back and I was like, everyone in this country has an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Like we've got a serious problem. Because mm-hmm. because it's like if someone came to you and was like, oh, I'm really trying not to eat eggs because I know they're not good for me. You know, it's like, well, that is, I mean, that's like a whole other conversation, right? Some people agree that that is true. And for some people's bodies, like that might have the perfect nutrition for them. Yeah, it's intuitive. Uh, what I am a big proponent of is insight over information. Yeah. And yeah. so one thing we've gotten disconnected from is our own inner wisdom around everything. And so there's very thing around, you know, food and around sex as well. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about my inner wisdom around sex and how it leads me now. But so, for example, around food, how we how we originated as human beings on this planet. And if you watch indigenous cultures, this is how they still exist. Is they eat what their bodies tell them to eat. Mm-hmm. So some days it tells them to eat this this fruit from this tree. And some days it says, eat this fish. And some days it, for weeks, they may say, I don't want any fish. My body's saying, eat this thing. And they slowly listen to their bodies around what they need to eat. Instead of what this study says or what these group of people over here say, mm-hmm. they listen to what is coming from their bodies. And that's why they have much less illness. That's why they have much less um 
just much dysfunction because they are connected to themselves. The same thing goes with, with all of it, right? So insight over information, what is best and most appropriate for you based upon what your internal wisdom is saying. So going back to something you said from the beginning of this conversation, the soul created the body to house itself. It knows best what this body needs more than anybody else. Your soul knows best what your body needs and how your body needs to function and what will support your body's well-being and wellness more than anything else. And that goes on food and that also goes with sex and sexuality and engaging with that. So the thing about my own inner wisdom, you know, around this is one thing that I came to, you know, even though my body was calling for um, me to engage in more sex than I usually thought before, it was also causing me to engage in more mindful sex and more connected sex. So, um, you know, anonymous sex or sex where I don't really feel a, a vibrational and deep con intimate connection with somebody is not fulfilling for me and it makes me feel empty. And so I don't enjoy that. And so I need to feel um, I need to have more conversation with somebody. You know, it's the, the, the days of me just meeting somebody on the street and going home with them without really even knowing what their full name is, that is over for me. Um, but I, I don't need to have a committed relationship with somebody. I don't need to have a long-term relationship with someone, but I do need to have an authentic relationship with them. And I need to have a very open and a connected in, uh, relationship with them. And that's really about, you know, asking questions, being open and honest, being fully transparent right away with someone and tuning into my inner wisdom when I'm talking with someone and seeing, mm, do I, is this person um, someone I want to connect with? Because again, we're talking energy. So we'll with them and we take on stuff. So some of that, you know, some of that cosmic stuff we take on benefits our lives and, and helps us expand. And depending on the person, some of that stuff we may take on may not. And I so I wanted to she she had like studied with my mom was kind of in the hippie scene in the in the sixties and she had studied with this guru from India. And I remember her telling me when I was younger, like when you have sex with someone, you take on not only their karma, but the karma of everyone that they've ever slept with. And I was like, Whoa, that's <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that was definitely something that stuck with me for a while. I didn't heed it when I was younger. <laughs> it's not fully like, true. Damn. <laughs> It's not fully true, um, but you definitely. But you're you mingling your energy. Yeah, you're. You well, sex is how we experience. Is one of the ways we've created for the physical realm. Um, you know, as spiritual beings having physical experiences, is one of the ways we created. Um, one of the modalities we created here to experience our oneness mm -hmm. uh, more t more tactically. Yes. So we are all one. And you can't not be one with somebody, but the amount of um, harmony you experience with them, you can determine. That's called entrainment. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that um, science is finding, the law of entrainment. There's a lot of stuff that they've done with physics, but the longer you hang out with someone or the longer you have a connection with someone, you literally begin to vibrate on the same frequency with them. and. Yeah. Uh, you not only just vibrate on the same frequency, but your behaviors and your actions begin to sync as well. And so sex amplifies that kind of times 10. And so when you are, when, when, so that me knowing that and me understanding that when I, when I'm looking at uh, engaging with someone with sex, you know, I want to make sure that, okay, not just that I need all these these boxes and these T's to be crossed off because my energy is really the my vibration is really what's most important in any space, but that I just want to make sure that this you know is this experience going to serve um, my wellness and my joy or is it going to take away from it in some way? And that's really my guiding question these days: Is this experience going to both serve well my my vision for my wellness and my joy, or is it going to take away from it in some way? And I don't do anything that takes away from wellness and joy these days. I only do what nourishes and charges it. So um, if the person vibrationally feels like they'll nourish and charge that, then this may be a good connection. And if they don't, they don't. And sometimes it, that can be as simple as your conversation. What are you talking about? 
mm, I'm not enjoying this conversation. So if I don't enjoy this conversation, it's a no. <laughs> um, the vibe just may be a no. Uh, but also, again, that's how sex becomes healing. Is it healing sex really? And there's a difference between healing and healthy sex. Let me say this too. Mm. Um, because healthy sex really in our dimension and at this level of our, of our evolution, it really doesn't exist. And let me say why. Because healthy sex is really about two people being fully aligned and fully embodied beings, fully aligned with their authentic self, fully aligned with their soul, having the full frequency of their soul fully in their bodies, and they're sharing that. And that usually just doesn't happen. We're usually aligning at some point, right? We can be more aligned and then there's some aspect that I'm still trying to align. Um, so healing sex is, is sex that helps you become more aligned with yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you want that, right? Instead of us saying healthy sex and also healthy and how we term the word healthy, it makes it seem like there's one type of that for everybody. Right. And there's not. So for someone, you know, what, what may be termed healthy sex may be um, this monogamous sex with this one partner and that they, you know, um, and they're not, they're not open and they're not looking for opening and it's just them for another person. It may be with several people for some, for one person, it may be an experience where they feel like they're being, um, you know, in the BDSM community where they may be uh, more submissive or they may be more dominant. That may be some aspect, especially for a person. I was having this conversation with someone, actually, matter of fact, the other day because they didn't understand um, the BDSM community. And although that's not really something that is that is, you know, that is aligned with my sexuality, um, understanding sexual healing, I was talking to them because they were very you know, against it. And I was saying, well, you have to understand, again, we know this aspect of healing sex. So imagine a person who has never been, who has, who has had um, a life experience where they have been oppressed and suppressed and they've never felt empowered anywhere. They're going to need to feel the sense of being empowered somewhere. And somehow, somehow in this BDSM community, if they're, if they're dominant and both people are, again, they understand the situation, they've communicated the situation, they consent to the situation, that situation is actually a healing sexual situation for that person. For that, for that person. person. For that person, because that is helping that person align with their sense of empowerment. Yes, and it might for be the, a traumatizing experience for someone it else. It could be completely traumatizing for someone else. Again, going back to understanding and listening to your inner guidance and what is healing sex for you. This is why there's no such thing as healthy sex. Yes. Because somebody could say, oh, this is healthy sex. But for you, that could be toxic sex. And so... Yeah, it's kind of... I mean, it goes back to that food conversation too. It's like, there aren't rules here. Mm -mm. You know, there there are not rules. And when we start to put rules, we create dogma and we create more suffering and we create othering and we create judgment. And none of that is healing. And, uh, you know, and I we think, create disconnection yeah, and suppression. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the biggest, the biggest thing, you know, when, when we were talking earlier about the food and everything, it's like what was really coming through so strongly was this is about connecting to your own pleasure. And somewhere mm-hmm. along the line, we received the message that it is not okay to experience pleasure. That if it Absolutely. brings me, if it brings me pleasure, it must be bad for me. Absolutely. And this is why, again, so many of us are ill because pleasure, and I'm not just talking about ill and mental health or dysfunction or addiction. I'm actually talking about disease as well, Mm -hmm. because the disconnection you are. So understanding who we are as souls, the vibration of the soul is love and love is a multifaceted vibration. And it's, it's one of the most misunderstood things. A lot of things we understand about love is so bullshit, by the way. <laughs> but one thing I learned in my near-death experience is that we are literally the embodiment of the frequency of love. And, but the frequency of love is a multifaceted frequency. Mm-hmm. And one of the aspects, meaning it has several aspects to it, it's not just one thing. A lot of us think love just means affection. 
And it's a lot more than that. And one of the things I learned was one of the aspects of love is joy. And so when we get disconnected from our joy, we get hugely disconnected from our soul. Yeah. And that, and our body was, again, was created to house the soul. And so when the soul is not fully in the body, the body can't stay well. And this is why a lot of disease happens because we get so disconnected from lives of pleasure and not just, again, understanding there's a difference from something that is being inspired from joy and something that is being inspired from pain. Yes. So there's a lot of seeking pleasure because you have a life of pain that you're trying exactly. to see. Exactly. Yes. And there's a difference between this is what literally breathes life through you. Right. This is what literally feeds you and expands you. And that's what we've gotten, what what you beautifully spoke to, is we've gotten so disconnected from that, these things that literally breathe life through us. We've been made to feel like it's wrong. We've been made to feel like we don't deserve it some way. And we've gotten all these moral caps over it to say, you know, this is what not, this is, this is actually really the big message that disconnects us, is this is not what a good boy or good girl does. On so many levels, right? So this this type of sexuality is not what a good boy or good girl does. Like I have a friend who um, just got into a, uh, uh, he's been in a, a relationship with his partner for a long, for about 15 years. And they just decided that they were going to uh, add another person to their relationship. They were going to be in a political uh, polyamorous. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure about the term. Sometimes I get them mixed up, but it's, it was going to be three of them in this relationship and they love each other. And it's a very loving relationship. And, but my friend was very, um, hadn't really told his parents, hadn't really shared it with his community, uh, had a lot of shame around it because there was this message of this is what this good boy, this good boy doesn't have a relationship like this. Right. Um, it is the same thing. It doesn't just go with sexual, this good boy, good girl, by the way, um, this moral bondage prison doesn't just go around sexuality. It goes around a lot of things. I had it for a long time around going back to the food thing. A good spiritual person is vegan, even though my body and my doctors were telling me my body was breaking down. There were things that I needed to actually take in some um, fish protein, but I was so anti that because I was like, that's not spiritual and that's not this. And my body was getting sicker and I was literally about to die again by not even listening to my own inner wisdom, but listening to this moral thing that says, this is not what a good spiritual person does. This is not what a good woman does or what a good man does. This is not what a good mother does. That's a huge mm. message oh, yeah. that's out there. <laughs> Oh, that's a big one. Um, There's a huge, I mean, that's a whole nother show about about the message around what a good mother is. Mm -hmm. But there's these messages we have that make us, that close us down into these boxes. And again, because we seek approval, that's the thing that we, belonging, what actually is belonging and connection. And if we fear that, that in order to get this belonging and connection, I have to be this good boy, this good girl, which is what the message we get when we're kids. And if stepping outside of this will not make me seen as this good boy and this good girl, which means now I won't be loved, I'll be abandoned, I'll be rejected in some way. So you'll stay inside of this box, but being inside that box disconnects you from your your soul's wisdom. You you don't hear your intuition loudly because your intuition is never inside of that box. And you never get to be your full self in the world, which is why you came here. And you're disconnecting again, you're disconnecting, you're bifurcating yourself. And that's why a lot of us experience illnesses. That's where a lot of dysfunctions and addictions come from, because you're not meeting your needs for whatever it is, right? You may need, I wasn't meeting my need to get, you know, fish protein in because of this. I wasn't meeting my need for a while to be more sexually active because the message was a good spiritual teacher, especially a good, you're a spiritual teacher. Now you have a whole tribe. You better be pious and you better wear mm-hmm. all white and you better always be burning candles and be an incense. And, <laughs> you know, better not talk to anybody and let anybody touch your body unless it's going to be the one. Mm-hmm. And, but here I was all this time saying with these messages of trying to stay within this confines of being this good boy, but I was very unhappy. And I was very unfulfilled 
And I wasn't putting the correlation between this is why the illnesses were showing up in my body. Because again, um, this is something I teach too now that I learned is just like your body. So we talked in the beginning about you're a biological being and an energetic being. So the biological part of your body has needs that it needs in order to experience wellness. You have to eat food, you got to drink water, you got to get in air, you need shelter. And if those needs go unmet, your body is going to send you a signal, right? It's going to be hungry to say, okay, we need food. It's going to be thirsty. If you continue to not meet that, those signals, it starts to break down, Mm -hmm. right? The body starts to literally break down. What we also, so when you don't meet your biological needs, you begin to experience, it has detrimental effects on your health. What we do not, what we're not taught, but now, you know, the sages and the mystics and the shamans are now teaching is that you have energetic needs as well. And when those needs are not met, your body also starts to break down. And what I learned through my near-death experience was the acute illnesses are the symptoms of you not meeting your biological needs. The chronic illnesses and diseases are the symptoms of you not meeting your energetic needs. Mm-hmm. And your energetic needs are things for like joy, pleasure, belonging, liberation, and ease. You need to feel. So they're more like emotional states of being. You need to feel that. You need to feel fulfilled, right? And so. And I and I want to go back too because you know you said belonging earlier is really connection, and I think that that is such a it's it's such an important word to introduce into here because when we feel like we belong i mean we can be alone in the forest and feel a sense of belonging because we feel a sense of connection to who we really are yeah so belonging for me really is what um i was listening to someone who had a near-death experience the other day and she i've been looking for this word to really to really express what love is because again like i said love is a multifaceted vibration and we have a a lot of falsehoods around what it is and she described, because most, if you talk to most people who've had a near-death experience and crossed over to the other side, what most of us will say is there's this immense feeling of love beyond what we've ever felt before and beyond what we have words for. Mm-hmm. And what she described it as was the closest definition to any of them. Um, and she said that what it actually is, that that, that feeling is really what it is, is this belonging. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of go a little bit into what belonging actually is, because it's not just a sense of being with someone or being near someone or community. If you really look into belonging, belonging is all of you is welcomed. Mm. All of you is free to express. All of you is appreciated. All of you is accepted. All of you is held here. And when you fully belong to something and when something fully belongs to you, all of you is nourished and is protected. And that's really what we want. We want the feeling of being fully accepted, of being fully free to express our authentic self, of being appreciated, which means you're valued because that's what worthiness is. When you're fully accepted and you're fully appreciated, your, your worthiness is affirmed. And fully liberated and you know joy also belonging is places you don't feel a sense of belonging in a place that you don't enjoy right Mm -hmm. if if you don't if you don't have any fun there Mm -hmm. if if it doesn't feel adventurous there's not happy and laughter joy is also a part of belonging and so that all those aspects need to be present in order for it to actually be a space of belonging if it's not then it's just community right so you can be a part of a community that criticizes and shames you or that you don't feel fully free in that's not belonging but that is community and that's very different and that's the different thing that when when she put that together was like yes belonging is love that's what it is and so you're what you're really looking for is love and when you understand those different aspects of it you understand you can see oh yeah, I might be in this relationship, but this relationship is not really belonging. Yeah. And what do I need to really feel belonging? And where do I need to go to experience that? Mm-hmm. And it's probably not social media, just <laughs> PSA. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, social media is, mm, it is such a, it is such a beautiful and a toxic place at the same I know, right? <laughs> I, I know. Um, it's because it, it, one, it gives us opportunities to do this, right. and to connect and to share and to right. be and to express in ways that we would never have before and cannot in other places. And then on the other flip side of that is there's going to be somebody that's listening to this um, who doesn't have a picture and who's not doing anything near what we're doing, who is going to feel the need to completely shred us apart. Mm-hmm. And completely criticize and reject and be completely nasty and mean. Yeah. And it's it's it has this both it has it's again, it's it's as in all things in this dimension, it's just another representation of an aspect of ourselves because it's the duality. It has all of the light in it and it has all of the shadow. Absolutely. I just, I introduce it, I think, especially as we're having this conversation about belonging, because I think a lot of people go there looking for connection, Mm -hmm. right? We go, we go to social media, but it's, but that's where these rules get reinforced Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's subliminal and it's unconscious, but it's like, oh, well I'm seeing, and then they're working with the algorithms. It's like, I'm seeing all these things in front of me that says, this is what I'm supposed to be like if I want to be a spiritual person or if I, you know, all of, all of those things that we were discussing earlier, it's like, I'm, so I guess my, why I bring it up is just a, a reminder and, a, and a, a pleading for those listening to have consciousness about what you're consuming through that platform and how it's impacting the subliminal rules that you're creating for yourself. Yeah, and especially whatever is whatever is affirming and um, kind of taking the bullhorn and reshouting about the good girl, good boy message mm-hmm. really is not serving you. And it's, I'm glad you brought this up because I kind of want to speak on this last kind of thing. Is I spoke on this before. I've done a few videos over this over the years because there's this phenomenon that's going on. Um, as we're speaking about social media and spiritual teachers in this conversation, Mm -hmm. there's this phenomenon where there's a lot of spiritual teachers that have been committing suicide um, over the years. And I spoke to this because, you know, as, and as the stories have come out, their friends who are close to them are speaking about it and all that. What's really been happening is they felt trapped in this, in this good boy, good girl paradigm and, or, um, they were so trapped and they were suppressing. And again, what happens when you suppress for right. so long, it comes out toxically. And so they've had, you know, there, there, a lot of sexual assault things are coming out with major mm-hmm. spiritual teachers mm-hmm. and um, a lot of just really inappropriate behavior. And this is really because the root cause of this is we are, so many people have these messages around what this good person is. And um, as, a, as a matter of fact, let me share that. I want to share this story really quickly about how mm-hmm. I first started um, with intuitive. So I first started this journey of my work, you know, being an intuitive healer. I first started doing um, uh, psychic readings and um, as a medium. And I would go to psychic fairs and I would have a table. And this is several years ago. And um, when I first went, I went with, you know, being comfortable. So I had my, I would wear jeans, what I would normally wear in a day. I had jeans on and I'd have like a white button up shirt. And I, and, but when I went to these psychic fairs, all the psychics, they had like these gypsy tables and they had these crystals <laughs> mm-hmm. and they had all this incense and mm-hmm. they had all this stuff going everywhere. And they were in this, you know, these gypsy clothes or they were in these, you know, fanciful things. And, um, when I first started, you know, I was in my early twenties. And so I was the youngest person there. And I was also the only person of color in that room. Mm. And so, um, and you know, one of the only, I was the only person of color there. Um, I was the youngest person there and I was one of the only men there. Wow. And so the, the message was the good mediums were women. They were white women and they had these outfits and these tables. And so people would walk by my table and they would like stare at me and they would, you would literally hear them say, he doesn't know what he's doing. Now they hadn't, they didn't sit down. 
<laughs> they didn't talk with me. They would literally just look at me because there's this mess, there's these, all these messages about what we need to look like and how we need to perform and what things need to be in order to be okay, in order to be valued, in order to be acceptable. Yep. And so it, and so it, that got to me. And so by, by my third fear, here I was coming in with this whole outfit and this whole table and this whole pomp and circumstance. And, but it wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't me. And that was a whole nother part of my healing journey was to just to be, you know, to be okay with who I am and to know that, you know, I, I have what I have and who I am and what I have to offer as it is, is valuable. Now, you know, uh, I go to those fairs and I'm one of the, if I go to those fairs, I'm one of the, the, the top people that people come to, but it's because I did the work around that. But that there's this message again around what we have to look like, how we have to show up and it, it will imprison you. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what these messages do because mm-hmm. again, they are not, they are not the authentic desires of expression. And if you allow them to imprison you for too long, one of two things happens. Either you manifest an illness, like I did, you know, some chronic disease or illness, uh, which is why so many spiritual teachers are sick also, by the way. Um, Or you develop some type of dysfunction or disease or dysfunctional addiction, or you commit suicide because it's a prison and you, you can't feel you know, in prison for too long before you feel like your life is not worth it anymore. And this is kind of what happens, um, just bringing it full circle, so much around our sexuality, so much of what we feel around our sexuality feels like a prison. It doesn't feel like liberation. It doesn't feel like authentic expression. It feels like us being boxed in and not feeling safe to come outside of that box. Yes. Well said. Well, I could talk to you for hours. I really, um, I appreciate you so much. And I feel like this has been such a valuable conversation. So thank you for everything that you've brought forward. This is, this is like jam packed full of good stuff. (laughs) So yeah, just really deep gratitude again for you, for your work. Thank you so much for having me on as always. You know, I can't just, I can't shut up when I talk to you. So (laughs) (laughs) that's because I want to hear it all. Yeah. And to our listeners, I want to thank you so much. This show would not be here without you. And we're so grateful for you in all your various places around the world. I, I bow to you deeply. And I want more connection with you. I want to know what you want to hear on this show. I want to hear your questions. So if you have not yet joined us in the Superpowers Are Real group on Facebook, please do. Um, Feel free to post in there about things you want to hear more about on this show. Um, You can connect with me through there. And if you haven't checked out our programs yet, go to superpowerexperts.com forward slash programs if you really want training on, on how to embody some of this stuff that we've been talking about today and that we talk about on the show. Um, Deep, deep, deep gratitude. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.